Hello and good morning or good afternoon or good night. It's a very cold Australian morning today. I'm freezing, I'm shivering here and I'm ready to get going with the next project brief. And today we're going to be doing LHC at home. That's a large hadron collider at home. No, it's not at your house. It's at LHC or CERN or whatever it is. <laughs> um, but yeah, the project brief is a episode run by me on the Boink Radio podcast where I go and explain a particular Boink project and you can learn how you can be a volunteer scientist without even having to do any science, like no studying. <laughs> you get to do it all on your computer. Now, I'd ask that all questions be left till the end uh, where we can have a little bit of discussion about, uh, about LHC at home. Now, Jeringo. Uh, have you ever quenched? Uh, excuse you. This sounds a bit personal. <laughs> I don't even know what Do it means. Do you like quenching? It... Well, yeah, it's a, it's a good question, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, I'm we'll talk about with... what quenching is later. Uh, I'm going to yeah. go with no. No? Okay. Fine. But we'll talk about what quenching is later because it's an important thing to do with LHC at home and why your computer is important to helping out the organization and the operation of the Large Hadron Collider. So um, we're talking about LHC at home today. It's a Boink project and it was started in around 2004. It's run by CERN and it aims to find the next fundamental particle or phenomena in particle physics. And so in this, in this little episode, we're going to explain what fundamental particles are and we're also going to talk about quenching. All right, so the LHC is a huge ring of just metal electronics and superconductors and vacuums and high-tech electronics and everything in a huge 27-kilometer long, pretty much just a circle. It's, it's a big vacuum tube where protons and extremely small particles go and um, travel along and then smash into each other at one point. So the point of this big metal ring is to discover and investigate the mysterious world of the really extremely, extremely small. So um, to give you a bit of scale, the Large Hadron Collider mainly uses protons. And a proton, for those of you that don't know, is essentially what makes up a lot of matter around, around the world. If you learn in high school, protons are in the nucleus of the atom and they combine with neutrons to create different elements. So protons are smashed together in the LHC, and to give you a bit of scale, protons are about a hundredth of a trillionth the size of a grain of rice. So when talking about the realm of the really small, it's really hard to give you exact scales, but and stuff that's actually sort of visualized that can be visualized. But the best I can give you is a hundredth of a trillionth the size of size of a grain of rice. Now the reason why we use protons is because when they smash head on they create a whole load of new particles. And so it's that energy of that collision, just like when two cars crash head on, um, that creates all sorts of little bits that fly off. It's a bit grim, but when essentially when two car, cars crash, you get the bits of the car flying off in different places. And so that's, we're essentially just recreating a really, really, really tiny car crash if you want to think about it that way. But yeah, the, the main thing is uh, that we're trying to make particles that are smaller than the protons themselves. And I'm talking like, really, really much more smaller than the protons themselves. So some of these particles could be stuff like electrons, which is stuff that we know about. It could be muons, which some people might not have heard of, but it's just basically a bigger electron. There's also stuff called pions and stuff also like you may have heard of neutrinos. Uh, neutrinos can also be produced from these sorts of reactions. And often we get um, photons that come off of it and uh, other bosons such as, um, uh, well, you just have the two bo uh, the two main bosons called the Z and W boson. 
and the main thing that we wanted LHC to do was to find the Higgs boson, the theoretical Higgs boson particle. And it was able to do that by smashing protons together hard enough. And so you're probably wondering why we only use protons. Why aren't we using any other particles? Well, the main reason why we use them is because they're heavy. So um, they're, they're made up of three quarks. And yes, the, the physicists like to make funny names for things. And quarks are just the smaller elements of the protons themselves, just like how an element of carbon is made from protons and neutrons. The protons and neutrons themselves are made with quarks and stuff. <laughs> um, now, another reason why they use is because they're also easily made. So it's easy to get protons, essentially. It's really hard to just make a quark or make and just make a muon or an electron just out of nothing. Um, protons are very easily extracted and manipulated and everything. So that's why we mainly use protons. And finally, they're also charged. If you, if you were to use a neutron in a Large Hadron Collider, and for those of you that don't know, neutrons have zero charge, which means that they, they're not influenced by electric fields or magnetic fields. If you were to put neutrons in there, they just escape the the uh, vacuum tube of the um, the LHC, uh, or they damage the um, vacuum tube, and essentially they just can't go around in a circle. Um, so, uh, yeah, that's the reason why protons are used. Uh, I just have a mention here in the chat. Someone wants to explain quarks. So quarks are the smaller makeup of those of the protons and neutrons. They are bound together with what's called the strong nuclear force. And strong nuclear force is mediated by something called a gluon. <laughs> so you get the glue to stick the quarks together to create the proton sort of thing. And uh, quarks, you don't see them in nature because um, I forget the proper term for it, but they're, they have to be bound by the strong nuclear force. And it's very, very hard to separate. And if they do get separated, I think they just decay anyway. So not a lot of people know what quarks are, and it's really hard to sort of understand it. But Essentially, they're just the makeup of the protons and neutrons. And if I might here, because you've set me up for this, um, to me, Quark is one of the best characters in Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I think I made reference earlier to, um, oh, what was the video? The, the history of the entire universe and everything, whatever. The quarks and stuff. <laughs> quarks. <laughs> great. Uh, all right. So uh, with all these particles flowing through the reactor, we, we can get up to some pretty crazy speeds. Like, I'm talking a speeding ticket of the century. All right. I'm talking 0.999999999 times the speed of light. Okay. You're probably wondering how the hell we can get to a, a speed of that big. It's because we're using such tiny particles. Um, so... Uh, it, just to give you some scale, because we're traveling at these speeds, we encounter what's called Einstein's relativity. Okay, And so because we achieve these speeds, we get much, much, much more heavier particles. All right? And to give you a bit of a, like, a sort of um, idea of how heavy it gets at that sort of speeds, if you're a 60 kilogram human being, an average 60, 60 kilogram, and for those of you in America, I have the units here. That's 132 oh, God. pounds. <laughs> okay, Sorry, 132 how, pounds, 132 pounds, 60 kilos at rest, so you're not moving. If you were to travel at the speeds in the Large Hadron Collider, you'd be you'd weigh approximately 47 tons, which is, uh, what's this? This is 103,000 pounds at full speed, approximately. So it's pretty crazy. Uh, the maximum energy of the of the LHC, which they are actually upgrading, and I think they've finished the upgrades, if I'm not mistaken, recently, uh, is 17 tera electron volts. Now, that's the unit of measurement that they use for energy in the reactor. 
Uh, I don't have any um, real world sort of examples other than something I might have heard on um, one of the physics uh, YouTube um, shows that I look on when they did a tour of the LHC and they said it's about the energy of a mosquito beating its wings. So it might not look that big and powerful to us, that 17 tera electron volts, but at that scale, at the very tiny one hundredth of a trillionth the size of a grain of rice, that much energy can push something very, very, very fast. And it's phenomenal that we need thousands of kilowatts in order to run this thing. It, it sucks the energy out of the system so quickly. So I was talking earlier about protons and quarks and the, and the, um, the standard model of particle physics. And the key thing about this, and the reason why LHC wants to investigate it, is because it essentially makes up the entire world. It makes up our universe. Everything is everything that we know of can be dumbed down to the standard model of particle physics. So even the seat that you're sitting on, the coffee that Jay Ringo's drinking, the Earth itself, the universe, light even, can be dumbed down to the standard model of particle physics. And that's the realm of particle physics. You have all sorts of different realms of physics. And particle physics is the one concerned with explaining the universe in terms of particles. And so the most important discovery that LHC has made was the Higgs boson, which we, uh, which, as far as I know, explains mass and explains how things get mass by juggling it through different fields and whatever and simulating some sort of photonic interaction. It's loads of crazy physics. And <laughs> I'm not going to have enough time to explain the Higgs boson here, but I highly recommend you go and check out some YouTube videos on it or uh, any other videos um, or even some books at the library now that the libraries are opening here in Australia. <laughs> um, go check it out. And the next thing that LHC wants to find is the graviton. So the problem with gravity that we have at the moment is we don't know where it comes from. So, And also we have stuff called dark matter, which is skewing all the mass in our universe so that we don't know exactly how much mass there is and stuff like that. There's an imbalance of mass as far as astron astronomers are concerned. And so the graviton might be a good way to explain how this, act how this extra gravity actually comes into play. So let's talk about what uh, LHC at home actually does in terms of Boink project. So they have a number of projects, and I think all of them, almost all of them are running at the moment. Uh, but I'm only going to talk about a couple of them. Uh, because most of this stuff is is mathematics, it's really easy for your computer to do. So it's nothing like uh, a heuristical weather model or a climate model or, um, I don't know, monkeys on a typewriter sort of thing. It's actually maths that your computer can just go and do step by step what needs to happen next. And so uh, there's, there's a lot of uh, stuff that you'd be doing, but the most important thing that you'd be doing is simulations of particle collisions and simulations of uh, the detector operating itself. So uh, with the detector operating itself, it's called the six tracks uh, uh, project or sub project rather. And it checks the alignment of the proton beams so that the detector is constantly stable. All right. Now, you're probably wondering why we need to make sure the beams are aligned. Like, don't they just align from the magnetic fields of the reactor, uh, of not the reactor, of the collider itself? Well, no, you need to be able to manage the speeds at that speed I told you earlier in order to make sure that the protons don't just go go rogue and start breaking everything in the, in the collider. So your computer will run simulations to... Uh, not only make sure that the protons always travel in a perfect circle, but also to simulate different events that might occur and how the collider might react to it. They've been running six tracks for a while, 
And uh, it's important because they they have had lots of damage in the past from the beams hitting the sides of the vacuum tube and going too fast or going too slow and, and damaging certain components. And the most in, and the most uh, dangerous type of damage, uh, not to the detector itself because it's quite common, but to humans is what's called a superconducting quench. Okay. Now this is some this is some f uh, really funky stuff. So for those of you that don't know what superconductors are. Imagine a copper wire and putting electricity across it. So with a normal copper wire, you'd only put across probably... The, the worst you'd go is probably a car's 12-volt battery. And then if you put the, <laughs> the battery terminals across that, you just fry the wire, right? If you were to put a superconductor across the 12-volt battery, it'd take it. Nothing would blow up. Nothing would, nothing would, um, um, nothing would melt down because the superconductor can conduct a seemingly infinite number of um, an infinite amount of electricity. So this is why we use them in LHC because we can conduct so much electricity in such a small space, and we we can create these huge magnetic fields. I'm talking like your fridge will get attracted to this stuff when it's like <laughs> a good um, 50 meters away or something like that. Uh, that's not an that's not an accurate depiction, so don't <laughs> don't quote me on that one. Um, but anyway, let's talk about quenching. So because superconductors have to be really, 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 really cold in order to work, and they take such huge amounts of electricity, a very small disturbance in the superconductor can cause some very large issues. So what a superconducting quench is, is when the superconductor suddenly shuts down. So it stops becoming a superconductor by becoming really, really hot in either one particular small location or just in general. And the issue with this is that it can cause a very, very loud bang. It can cause electrical arcing. So you can get electricity just arcing everywhere. Uh, and also it can cause uh, an asphyxiation hazard, as they call it, where the rapid boiling off of the um, liquid helium that they use to cool down the superconductors uh, displaces all of the breathable air. So every if a, if a big quench happens, what will happen is everyone will be breathing in helium. And as soon as you walk out in the evacuation zone, everyone will be speaking with super high-pitched voices. <laughs> all right. But anyway, um, magnetic, quenching, magnetic quenching happens all the time, uh, but it can cause damage. Uh, and the way that they solve it is both by running six tracks and by having a huge metal heat sink that collects all the heat from the quench as soon as it happens. And so the reason why the proton beams might um, cause a magnetic quench is because they can cause localized heating. So if you heat up a very, very small part of the superconductor, what will happen is that very small part might not become a superconductor anymore. And so as the electricity tries to pass through it, it can't. It's, it's sort of like a resistor. And so that then becomes hotter because it's resisting all that electricity, which means it heats up all the part around it, and then that part then repeats the process. So it's a big, big chain reaction that happens very, very quickly. Uh, and now let me just get onto uh, the page so I could read you out one of the large uh, quench events that they have uh, that happened to uh, occur. Okay, so in uh, September of 2008, a big magnetic quench occurred at the LHC, uh, and I'm just going to read out the little statement that I have here. Uh, it occurred in about 100 bending magnets uh, in sectors 3 and 4, wherever sectors 3 and 4 is, uh, where an electrical fault uh, happened, and uh, they lost uh, about 6 tons of liquid helium. Uh, it was vented in the tunnel, uh, and the vapor expanded with explosive force, damaging a total of 53 superconducting magnets. 
So uh, as you can see, some magnetic uh, magnetic quenching can occasionally be very, very dangerous, but they've evolved to tackle it. And with six tracks, you can help prevent magnetic quenching in the future. Now, uh, the second project, the second sub project I want to talk about was the simulations. So um, as I said before, LHC mainly does two types of applications. They do proton alignment and um, simulations. And so an example of one of their simulation subprojects is called Atlas. Uh, and they simulate super high energy collisions and they try and test whether a theory or something might be correct or whether they find some interesting particle collisions that come from a particular way that the collider has collided the protons. And uh, physicists can use this as a model in order to either create a new theory or create a new scientific paper or to validate some results that they had and see whether it differs from the knowledge that we know in simulating. And so if the re actual results of the LHC are different to the results from the theory simulations, then it is possible that something might have gone wrong with physics. All right. Of course, scientists will go through all the steps of the scientific method and check, okay, did we do the method correctly? Did we, is our hypothesis reasonable? Is uh, all the other things correct? And then they'll say, okay, let's check the science. And so if the results differ from the simulation and the actual physics, then, hey, we might have found something. And also not to mention that these uh, simulation projects are also made to look for new particles like the graviton. Now, um, we're almost finished. Uh, before I finish off this one, I just want to mention that LHC does use VirtualBox um, with Boink. So what that means is uh, for some of the sub-projects in LHC at home, not all of them, uh, you will have to download the special VirtualBox version of Boink on the Boink website. Um, but yeah, it's a CPU-only project. And um, if you don't have a good computer, you could always try a different... Um, you can always try a different project. I like to advocate here at Zooniverse.org. It's a lovely little science puzzle site where you can go and help scientists solve real problems by donating a bit of your brain power. Uh, it's on mobile and desktop, so it doesn't matter whether you have a computer or not. <laughs> or, um, uh, but you need to at least have a phone. <laughs> uh, next time, uh, whenever I do my next project brief, which is a bit choppy at the moment, uh, I'll be looking at TN Grid. That's one that I haven't done yet. And uh, if I'm not mistaken, it's a uh, biology project. So we've got another biology project coming. Anyway, uh, now's the time for some questions and any discussion um, that you guys want to point out in the chat. I'll raise it in uh, here in the in the voice. When people are typing here, I just want to uh, bring up why LHC is so important and what they do. Because it's like uh, just finding really, really small stuff. It's so cool to a lot of people. But like you were saying, it's so intangible. Like just grasping the scale of how small these things like the one trillion is the size of rice right so, 100th of a trillion <laughs> the size of a grain of rice it means so little to me and it's there's no way to really communicate that stuff right like it's really really small <laughs> i think um didn't uh i'm gonna butcher the name kutzkazak or whatever do a cool visualization of it like you fill your room with rice and then you take one rice grain and then you fill that Imagine that as the room and then fill that with rice and then keep doing that a couple times. That's still really difficult. But like just to get to the importance of it all, like electrons are also very, very, very small, hard, very difficult to grasp. But most people understand how important electrons are because they run electricity. And that's kind of like um, common knowledge at this point. Right. That wasn't always common knowledge. People knew there was these electrons probably somewhere around, but we had to find them. We had to see them. We had to learn to manipulate and control them. And once we could do that, 
we made electricity and uh, electricity runs the world now. So it's that same concept with these quarks and bosons and whatever. They're tiny, tiny little things. And once we discover them and figure out how they work, and if we ever learn to manipulate them, which I have no doubt, as long as we continue to brew grass, we will, uh, then we imagine the really cool stuff we could do if we can manipulate quarks. Oh my God. Like That's what this is doing. That's what LHC is doing. Well, we could already make gold in these colliders. <laughs> Uh, it's a very special method of, um, oh, what's it called? Um, radioactive, not decay, transmutation. Alchemy and magic, damn it. Yeah, transmutation, alchemy, <laughs> magic. <laughs> but yeah, they can make gold in this stuff, although it's not very affordable. costs more money to make it than to actually sell it, but it is possible. And it's the fundamental science that we do here that will um, pretty much develop the future for us. Now, uh, as for some stuff in the chat, um, yep, so small that cops can't even measure their speed to give them a speeding ticket. Well, scientists can measure them and then give the evidence to the police station. So scientists <laughs> are the real enough. cops because they made the speeding gun, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, the true. And they also make uh, the mass spectrometer that they use for drug tests. Oh, well, the really scientist. specific drug tests, not the instant ones. <laughs> Yep. Um, <laughs> oh, wait, Jeringa, I forgot to ask you about quenching. What do you think about quenching? <laughs> yeah, I've never done it. Uh, safe to say I've never done it. I don't think that. anyone can say that they've ever done it. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, anyway, next thing. Uh, is the uh, SACPOP asks, is there a limit to the analysis that can be done by LHC? Um, and more specifically, structural limitations due to the physical requirements. Yes, there is. So uh, if you heard me earlier, I mentioned that the maximum speed and energy that the uh, collider that uh, can achieve is approximately 17 tera electron volts as far as last test has completed. There is an upgrade that's happening where it's upgrading the luminosity of the collider. Uh, I can't really give you an exact metric on it because information is a little bit sparse I, I i failed to find much on it but i know that they're upgrading stuff so it's possible that they can increase the energy now the importance of this energy is that the higher energy you go the more smaller particles you can get and the more variety of particles you can get too because if you have more energy to play with you can basically do more stuff it's just like if you have more money you can buy more stuff so uh, with the standard model particle physics, the more higher energy you go, we might find some more higher energy particles. So I'm talking stuff like graviton. Um, yeah, I don't think there's any other more theorized particles, but there could be. But you never know. We could find something completely unknown. And uh, also, there is another physical limitation, which I just thought of just right now, is in detection. So um, it is possible that when the Large Hadron Collider actually creates new particles, it is possible that the new particles that we're creating just can't be detected. It's entirely possible. So the physical limitation of the actual detectors themselves can be a physical limitation to the analysis of uh, LHC. Uh, what else we have there? Uh, for which subprojects are no VM needed? Uh, for So we're asking which subprojects don't need a VM? I'm not particularly sure myself. I think 6-track, if I'm not mistaken, is the only one that requires VM, but don't quote me on that. There are some people in here who know it much better than me. Uh, I personally don't crunch it a lot myself. Um, but yeah, don't be afraid to load up the VM. The only reason why we need a VM is just because it has some special libraries that the code uses and no other computer uses. Um, and even if you don't like to load up a VM and um, risk that inefficiency, even though lots of people will argue that it's not as inefficient, uh, there are still subprojects in here that you can crunch. And if you just link up your computer to LHC at home, it'll figure it out itself. 
Uh, let's see what other questions we have here uh, right now. We have uh, uh, some available LHC right now. Oh, okay. So six tracks uh, seems to not have VirtualBox on some. I think if I'm not mistaken, they said they were trying to move away from VirtualBox. But yeah, so if you come on, there are some VirtualBox projects and there's some that are not. So um, it just depends. Let's see. Do you think at some point the analysis will need to be done purely virtually based off of the mathematics and physics that we know rather than experimental, like the Higgs boson being theorized long before it was detected? Well, it's essentially the scientific method. So you come up with a hypothesis and then you do an experiment to test it. That's the very most fundamental uh, thing about it. In nowadays, we mostly do the following. We create a hypothesis, we simulate it to see if it's viable, and then we run the experiment. So um, we won't be doing it purely virtually ever because just the fundamental realm of science is that we have to test in the real world. Uh, so we will be doing virtual simulations, no doubt about it, but we will definitely use those virtual simulations in order to run actual experimental physics. Yeah, can I add something to that? Yeah, sure. So the, the structural limitations are very, very real, but it, so is the innovative capabilities of uh, scientists and engineers so like we might get to the point where we can't pump any more energy into this laser uh or, the, or these particles to get them to blow up or call it a beam <laughs> call it a beam sorry or or this the the cost for increasing the tv is just not worth it uh but there might be other means through which we can find what we want to find and the danger with potentially building an entire scientific structure that is based solely on the science we already know is that that's the end of fundamental science. That's the end of basic research because we can use the LHC for, for an example. They actually just released um, some research that says, well, there's weird stuff happening here that we didn't expect. Maybe these are future particles. And now we need to, with these anomalies that we're observing through experimentation, uh, we're going to develop a hypothesis for a new machine to detect them. And then we're going to go build that stuff. So <laughs> we're going it, to, it's very important to be able to build something and look, just look at the thing. Uh, and, and you can't, anomalies don't necessarily always pop up when there's a simulation compared to when you just have an experiment running. I bet someone just forgot to turn off the microwave. <laughs> Those dang hot pockets, they're at it again. <laughs> Uh, also, I can answer this question in the chat. Uh, do you think the actual LHC structure could benefit from an improved guttering system? 100%. Well, I'll tell you now that they already have the most perfect guttering system. It's mostly all underground. So natural <laughs> guttering. <laughs> yeah, for those of you that don't know, uh, the reference to the guttering system is from, uh, I think, the last uh, Boink Radio that we did, where we were talking about some uh, possible um, business projects, such as a project that finds the most optimal guttering system for a house. <laughs> anyway, uh, that seems to be all the questions. So uh, thank you all for joining me for this project brief. Uh, next time, whenever I make it, I don't have a specific date because of university at the moment. But next time I do a project brief, I'll be doing it on TN Grid. So see you all later and have a good one.